It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. I'm Darren Hefty, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, along with my brother Brian. On Farmer Fridays, we'll have our phone lines open all throughout the show, 844-44-AG-PHD if you'd like to call in, or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. we got some interesting emails in already. We'll get to a number of those throughout the show, too. All right, so it is Farmer Friday. We'd love to hear from you all throughout the show. We here at Ag PhD have been getting lots of calls and questions throughout the last couple of weeks about just different issues in crops, whether it's weeds, insects, diseases, heat, drought, anything you've got going on in your farm. Frost, yep. heat. Good, yeah, <laughs> frost. Yeah, good point. Anyway, uh, anything that's going on in your farm. We'd love to talk to you about that. Just give us a call here again. It's 844-44-AG-PHD. Probably the thing that's top of mind for a lot of farmers in the upper Midwest today is heat and drought. First of all, if you have heavy soil, you're not in a drought yet. If you have just had some heat lately and you've had rain here earlier this spring. So don't get me wrong. I, I'm I'm not saying, oh, if you haven't had rain in six months, you don't have a drought if you have heavy soil. No, I, I understand that. But, uh, but what I'm saying here is if you had rain this spring, you had moisture this spring, and you have V3 corn, um, don't panic because it's 95 degrees. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't mind the temperature being 95 degrees for a week or 10 days straight when we have small crop. Doesn't hurt that crop that much if there's moisture down in the soil. If there's absolutely no moisture in the soil, yes, then you're going to be in trouble. But the good news is small plants take in small amounts of moisture each day. On average, it's no big deal. If this was a month from now and we had corn that was trying to tassel out and it needs three quarters of an inch of moisture every day to thrive, well, then we got a problem. Okay, so at least that's the one good thing I would say. And I I will say because of this heat, it is pushing things along a little bit. So already right now, that helps me start thinking about fall and I go, hmm, I'm not as worried about wet corn this fall if we get plenty of June heat in our area. So all these things are are relative. You know, your area is different than my area, but I'm just trying to say we got to think ahead, plan ahead, and instead of just saying, oh, it's terrible and it's the end of the world and everything else, let's we got to work with this here. We, get, we, we have to survive under these conditions and not just survive, but thrive. So one big question, too, is should I spray, and it's supposed to be 95 degrees today, or I don't know, 97 maybe here. Um, I would. I would in a lot of cases. And now normally, if it's the middle of the summer and it's 97, I would say, ooh, not a great day to spray, at least in the afternoon. But today, um, we got cool last night. We actually had a lot of humidity overnight. The plants haven't suffered yet. So my my point is you don't have the thick wax on the leaf cuticles that's going to hurt your spray performance. You don't have the plants rolling up that's going to hurt your spray performance. Um, I'm not that worried about it. Now, if this continues for a little while, yes, then I am concerned. Uh, I'll also say you're going to have more uh, crop response sometimes when it does get really hot. So it all depends on which product I'm spraying. I was talking to an agronomist this morning, and he goes, yeah, my guy on beans is going to put in a generic, um, uh, not acetochlor, let's see, it was dual, but it was the generic version. And then it was 
Callisto, or no, sorry, not Callisto, Flexstar. I'm talking beans here. Flexstar, first rate, and he was throwing crop oil in. So he had three products already, two of which are hot. The the dual or generic, I don't care. It's got oils in it. When you spray it post-emerge, it's hot. It's going to give crop response no matter what. So is Flexstar. You put both of those together and you throw crop oil in and I go, woo, that's going to be hot. And if it was me, I'd cut that crop oil back. So that's what he was going to do. So you got to use your head a little bit. And there are a lot of situations where you say, boy, I, I, I want to get my spraying done. The forecast looks terrible for the next week. Sometimes pulling the trigger today is the best option possible. You just have to make some slight adjustments. That's what I'm trying to say. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. All right, Brian, you got this question about saline soils. You said, you guys are assuming when you talk about saline soils that we have enough water for it to actually get down to our drain tile lines. What about dry land? What do you do about excess salt when you're in a very dry environment? We, we basically generally get enough rain only to cover our crops, and that's it. And we're growing wheat. Um, I don't. I, uh, okay. Re- very respectfully, let me. Well, you know what? We, Darren, Darren, about three weeks Brian's ago. Brian's blunt had this, responses right, here. Bl- Brian's blunt response. So please don't take this personally. Don't be offended or anything else. But I have a hard time believing that. Why do you have the salt in the first place? Here's why. Because the water's evaporating from your ground. So that means there had to have been an excess at some point. Now, I'm not saying it happens often, yep, but it happened not, at some water's point. Water's not soaking in. Right. There's something, something going on here. It's, so, it's for example, not going through or getting used, so then it's evaporating off that soil surface. Go ahead, Darren. Yeah, so if there's a little depression in the field and it's just one foot lower in elevation for this little area, well, guess what? Water's going to sit there for right. just a little bit if it doesn't have good drainage to move down through the soil. Right, so in terms of fixing a saline issue or basically a salt issue, first you have to understand salts are leachable, so they will go down if you have drainage down. That's why we like putting drain tile in. That is the solution for saline issues. You put tile in, and I'm not going to say it's going to fix the problem overnight, but once we get back to years or times when you do have adequate rainfall, it's going to start flushing those salts out. And then in the future, you're not going to have these issues where the water is evaporating from your soil surface because it couldn't go anywhere. So I, it's, it's a long-term fix for some people, like in your case. It's a short-term fix for others where they do have a lot of rainfall and they just maybe have over-applied manure or you know some other high-salt product or something like that. But the point is you still have to get that drainage fixed. And it's not just tile. Take a look at your calcium levels in your soil. You want to make sure those are at least 65% or more. And if possible, you want to try to build up your soil organic matter in time. That will also help you. If you have an agronomic question, today's your day. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim. I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. 
Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. You work for results. That's why the Enlist Weed Control System gives you flexible tank mixing, near zero volatility, a wide application window, and proven weed control. Because the Enlist system was built for your results. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. Enlist.com. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people. And we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday, taking your calls and questions here in the Morton studio at 844-44-AG-PHD. Well, you think it's hot where you're at? We've got Tony on right now out in California. Tony, I know it's dry out there. How hot is it right now? Uh, right now, it's about 102, and they said it's supposed to be 109 today. Oh, my goodness. And then with a the little bonus... The wind's blowing about 20 to 30 miles per hour. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know my dad <laughs> talked uh, about this when we were kids, and he'd say, you know, when we get those winds and 100-degree temps, it's going to dry crops out pretty quick. I don't know if you can keep the water to it fast enough. Well, on our drip, it's going okay. And luckily, earlier in the year, you know, out where our farm's at, we're out in Newberry Springs, which is northeast of Barstow in the Mojave Desert. There's not really anything out there. It's not really farmland. We have pistachio farms um, and alfalfa, but doing what we're doing, there's not much. And I just so happened to find a tree cutting crew, and they were working out there for a month. And all of that mulch they dumped on our property. So I was able to get it around all my fruit trees, um, and that's helping with the drip irrigation. But as far as watering our... our um, our vegetables right now the winds just we do that with sprinklers it's just blowing it all over the place drying it out like a big blow dryer making it really tough yeah yeah no kidding and, and then speak about water in california that's kind of a limited quantity this year too uh, i i know it's um it's pretty bad we have um we have the san gabriel mountains that i look at from the farm and they said our water comes straight from those mountains and we didn't, yeah, we didn't get very much snow, so I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen. Luckily, like I was saying, we got all that mulch. I'm putting it everywhere I possibly can, um, and we're just watering. I, I don't know, I just don't know. We'll see what happens. All right. So, what are you harvesting right now? What's fresh and and ready to go? Well, I was harvesting peaches are coming in right now. My sunflowers are doing fantastic. 
Um, I am harvesting uh, tomatoes are just turning red for me. So that, that's really about it right now. Um, nectarines are coming in. Watermelons are growing. All the melons are growing. Uh, but they're usually ready for us around, around the 4th of July. Okay. We have a late season. We go from really cold, all of a sudden they're really hot, and we have a small window to get all those seeds in the ground. Yeah, it's it is interesting. It's a really interesting climate, and and this year with not a whole lot of rain, are you getting sun pretty much every day? Oh yeah, yeah. The sun, there's no problem there. I think we've had sun. I think this year we only got at the farm an inch or two of rain, if even that. It was really bad. Um, just no. It's just big sun out there. Lots of sky, lots of wind. Um, we're normally pretty windy out there, but it seems like this year um, was more than normal. And, you know, does damage to uh, to the plants as well. Yeah, abs- the, absolutely. They're getting sandblasted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had that out in our row crop fields, too, in the Midwest. It's been it's been a strange year for sure. Well, Tony, uh, good luck to you. Hopefully you catch some rain and, and a little bit of relief from this heat soon. We, we do get questions, though, when we have you on. People are always asking, do you have a website? Is there somewhere we can see what you're doing out there? Absolutely. Um, I do have a website, angelosfarms.com. Um, it's better to go to my Facebook because I'm always posting videos and pictures up, you know, pretty much once a week of what we're doing at the farm. You can see my dad, who's 88 years old. He's still, he's still knocking it out like you wouldn't believe. I mean, that's what I look at. Keep moving, keep eating right, and, and uh, live a healthy life. Um, and I have Instagram, too. It's all Angelo's Farms or Angelo's Organic Farms. Outstanding. Well, thank you so much, yeah. Tony. We really appreciate hearing from you again. Thank you. Have a great day. You, too. Let's head up to Saskatchewan. We got Jake on with us right now. Jake, how are things going up there? Oh, pretty good. How about yourself? You know, we we can't complain yet. We're hoping we get some rain soon, but the crop looks okay for for what we've had so far. How about there? Well, it's it's a scorcher here today. I I can't quite beat the California guy there, but we're 35 degrees Celsius here today, which I think is about 95 Fahrenheit, and we've been dealing with this for a few days here. It's been a year of extremes here we've been very cold we've been very wet and we've been very dry and now we've been very hot so we're covering all the bases off pretty early in the growing season here yeah no kidding well i've seen some pictures uh, from our north dakota friends just showing snow within the last week and now 100 degrees it's like oh my goodness we've had some extremes so how how is the crop holding up what, what where are you at right now in the growth stages of your crops well, so far so good. Things are a little behind just because it was so it was really cold here and really dry for the first, you know, half of May. Um it was getting it was getting pretty concerning. We got a good shot of snow in the middle of April that really saved us. It was looking a little bit desperate before that and we got a good foot of snow which was a little late to see snow, but we needed it, so we were happy about that. And then uh then it was just cold after that and we were dealing with lots of minus 10 nights, which makes it really difficult for spring burnoff, as you can imagine, and definitely slowed things down getting the crop out of the ground. We finally got a big rain here a couple of weeks ago now, right after we finished seeding, that uh, got the crop out of the ground. Without that, the last third of the crop probably wouldn't have emerged. So the thing was, we went from zero rain in a month and a half to uh, four inches in one shot. So that was a little bit more than we really needed to see. But I guess beggars can't be choosers. And, and now it's really, now the heat's really cranked up. So 
you know, we're, we're still fairly early. Like even our earliest wheat in Durham is only two, maybe three leaves. So still fairly early in the growth stages yet. All right. So what are you doing at this stage? You're just waiting a little bit more or is it getting close to herbicide timing then? Well, we're just getting into herbicide timing, which is a obviously a challenge. I mean, we're, our peas are at the stage where they, they really need to be sprayed. It's a pretty short window with them. So we, we ended up doing that overnight last night um, to try and get away from the heat. But it's uh, definitely a challenge to work around this weather. And it looks like it's going to last for a little bit yet. Yeah, it sure does. Well, Jake, good luck to you. Hopefully you get a little break from it here. And, and hopefully that rain keeps coming too. Once you dry out after all this heat, you're, you'll probably need a little more rain again. I hope so, too. All right. Sounds thanks, good. Jake. Thanks. Let's head down to uh, southeastern South Dakota. Got Chad with us right now. Chad, how you doing? Good, Darren. Hey, I had a question about post-spraying soybeans. Um, I raised a fair amount of hay. I typically don't have a lot of options as far as like a Flexstar. And I'm pretty gun-shy about spraying Extended Max. What? What other options do I have besides Roundup for post? So you've got extend soybeans. Yeah. And what Regular are you trying? And what are you trying to kill, Chad? Um. All the weeds that your dad order. left to you is that that's your inheritance, yeah. Amen, isn't it, brother? <laughs> I, I, yep. He he always left me plenty of them. <laughs> no, it's pretty good. So, um, you you know probably just. Your your typical your your late season small seed broadleaves right so I Pig have been lamb using squatters. Outlook. Yep, I've been using some Outlook later on. Um, I've used Warrant in the past. I just uh, yeah, I don't feel like I have a lot of options going back because I never know where I'm going to put alfalfa next spring. Sure, because it's whatever's good to go, you know. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it gets to be a challenge because the you think about the products you can use on alfalfa, like a Pursuit and Raptor, well, they aren't going to do much good on your water hemp, nope. so that right. that doesn't really help a lot. And why so, don't you like to use the Extendamax? What's you just worried about the drift? Well, I haven't had just real – I mean, I've had good luck with the product, but I get gun shy, and I know it's early, and yeah. maybe I shouldn't be so worried about it early if I just go get it done. Well, as we say that, Chad, we know what your weather looks like in the next 10 days, and spraying above 90, you can't do it. So we have to hope for a little cooler weather. Uh, now, you could spray right away in the morning if it's going to be cool. But, yeah, we, we've sprayed a lot of Extendamax on Extend soybeans. Haven't really had a lot of problem. But if you say, okay, I definitely don't want to do that, um, I mean, I would if I was you. But if you definitely don't, now you're left with Flexstar, Cobra, and Cadet. So Cobra and Cadet aren't going to have that same residual that Flexstar does. So that would be a good way to go. Those could be thrown in with something like Outlook or Warrant, or you could go uh, on, on their own. Uh, Chad, if you got more questions, just hang on. we got to take a quick break. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. 
Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at indoprimecorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at AgPhD, we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an AgPhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees, too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Your soil, your season, your edge. Make the new three-point Soil Warrior Edge from Environmental Tillage Systems your strip tillage system. Because you don't get to choose the condition of your soil, the Soil Warrior Edge is engineered to handle whatever's in your fields. And that same durable engineering goes the extra acre when that's what you have to do. The new Soil Warrior Edge three-point mounted strip till system. Learn more at SoilWarrior.com. Help keep the toughest, most resistant diseases out of your fields with Lucento Fungicide from FMC. An exclusive novel premix of two modes of action delivers broad-spectrum control and a long-lasting protective residual. Tackle key diseases in corn, soybeans, wheat, peanuts, and sugar beets. Choose Lucento Fungicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or lucento.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. When it comes to trusted herbicide formulations, you know New Farm, and you certainly know New Farm exclusive Weedmaster. For decades, Weedmaster has been the go-to herbicide for consistent burndown weed control in a huge variety of crops, and in range and pasture management too. Don't let yield-robbing weeds stand in the way of your progress or profits. New Farm and Weedmaster herbicide here to help. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. That means we're taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Just before the break, we had Chad on. He's got Extend Beans, didn't want to spray dicamba, and he may put hay or alfalfa in who knows which field, so he's nervous about putting Flexstar out because that would ding his alfalfa next year. And I just thought, I'm just... Kind of chuckling a little bit because I know Chad, and Chad's a really good guy. And and I also know one of his neighbors that, that uh, has passed away now. But for years and years, Chad's neighbor would spray dicamba. He would spray it way too late and ding up Chad and his, his family's beans. And so he knew about dicamba drift before anybody else did because his neighbor would drift it out of the corn. So I know why he's sensitive about dicamba drift. And... Then uh, just talking about the hay, I had a conversation probably 10 years ago with Chad's dad, and he said, Darren, if you if you ever hear me talking about planting more hay, just hit me over the head with a lead pipe. It's not worth it. I don't want to do that anymore. We've just had too many problems. Well, here we go. 
And now Chad's saying, <laughs> I might put some more alfalfa out there, and it's limiting my weed control options. Maybe that's what his dad was talking about all those years ago. Well, it does make it more challenging when you're going to raise some crops like alfalfa. Hey, it's just a lot different than corn or soybeans. But, I mean, economics are going to carry these things. And for Chad, I mean, that's that that's your opportunity when you're a young farmer. You know, eventually when you take over the farm from your dad, you get to make the decisions, and maybe it's working out great for them economically. So. So it's our job here to try to help you through those things so you can do very well regardless of the crop you want to raise. But yes, dicamba is always a concern uh, for drift, number one, but I, I would say it's a tremendous weed tool. Uh, we use some on our farm. I love it, but you got to be really careful about when and where you're using it. But then the other side is in terms of the rotational flexibility, I mentioned it right before the break, didn't have much time, but Cobra and Cadet would be good options as an alternative to Flexstar without all the carryover concerns the Flexstar has. All right, let's get back to the phone lines here. We've got Fred with us now out in Ohio. Fred, how, uh, how are things going in Ohio and how's your crop looking? Oh, things are looking really well over here in eastern Ohio. Uh, we've been uh, pretty lucky here. Uh, we've got we had that real nice dry spell here in in uh, in April, and it, we were trying to find odd jobs just to keep us out, you know, doing too much acres all at once in that early stage. And uh, for us, it kind of worked out. Some of it uh, some of it was nice, looking really good around V5, V6. Some of it um, in the area around us got some crusting issues, but other than that. Um, We've been very blessed weather-wise. Uh, really nice pattern, hoping that this kind of holds up. Uh, made some of the nicest first cut we've made in a long time. Uh, usually we've been getting a lot of rains early May, uh, delaying our orchard grass out to, you know, late heading and everything else. And, and this time we got it right as the heads were coming out. And everything looks really good, so we're, we're pretty blessed. Outstanding. I said you had a nice first cutting, and it's worth a lot of money this year, so that is fantastic. That's a home run. What, is, yeah. what does the regrowth look like, and do you have any trick to, to getting that off to a better start? Yeah, so the last couple years we've been trying to kind of increase our cutting height a little bit. Uh, we were just laying it real flat on the ground, and it seemed like it just didn't, it didn't bounce back near as fast. Now we're cutting – maybe an inch and a half, two inches higher than what we typically do. And it's already almost to a point where it's like, ah, you could, it, it's, it's already grown probably six or so inches in the wow. last week, week and a half. Um, That's we've had awesome. some really nice weather for that full season grass. Um, a lot of moisture. Uh, it seems like the last week we had like, like maybe two, two and a half inches of rain over the period of a couple of days, which was really nice. And yeah. uh, that That's corn awesome. really helped helped out with the corn. So, but yeah, we're looking pretty good over here. We're we're lucky. So. Well, I, I tell you what. Sometimes you, you can't you can't beat Mother Nature, and if uh, things are working out that way, it really helps with everything else that you're doing. So, the corn you said looking good. Now we got some heat coming. That's going to push that along really fast. Do you have more applications of anything? Do you need to side dress? You got weeds out there still to control? Yeah. So. Uh, this year was a little hectic. Um, my 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 brother-in-law and I typically do most of the planning, and he's been off in deployment for the Navy Reserve since November. Um, so it was a I was a one-man show here this this spring. So instead of uh, spraying everything early like we did last year, 
we had a lot of escapes in the furrow from the row cleaners being all no-till. Um, so this year we, we planted, you know, as much as we could for the day, and then we would, you know, wait another day or two and then come back through and lay our, our burn and residual down at once. Um, because we hadn't had much weed pressure for the most part, so we kind of got away with it. Um, but we do have some, some spots where we need to we need to do a little bit of touching up. Some of the early stuff, it looked like we had some escapes from all that rain that we had uh, last couple weeks. But um, I've got a laundry list of things to do, it seems like. But uh, Oh, yeah, there's always, there's always plenty of work. I know now why your first point was, well, how are things going? We had a nice dry April. I can see if you didn't have your brother there to help you, that's a, that's a good thing when you weren't so pinched with, oh, my goodness, it's raining every other day. How are we going to get things done? Well, Fred, it's great talking to oh, you. Oh, yeah. And it, oh, good, good. Oh no! Then it, it makes for uh, a crazy time, and then on top of it, we uh, we decided to do a couple other things with uh, with some zyway trials, and then also we're trying some sunflower production over here too. So uh, getting getting re- geared up for all of that. So. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, it's a busy, busy year, and uh, you know the other thing I was going to say to you too is thank you for supporting your brother on this this deal. I know a lot of people talk about our servicemen and women and all that they're giving back to our country, but wow, those families that, that are here to to pick up all the pieces and, and provide all that support are really, really important too. So thanks for thanks for what you do. I know it's it's not easy, but really excited to hear how some of these trials turn out later this year and hopefully he gets back soon. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thank you very much. You bet. Thanks, Fred. Uh, let's head over to Iowa. We've got Gary on with us right now. Gary, how's it going? Uh, fine. We've got some warm weather here now. Unfortunately, no rain. So we've been quite dry. Yeah, it, it's been a challenge the last couple of years. Well, really, since, what, July, end of June last year? Uh, we weren't. We did not turn dry until this really this spring here now. So, oh, okay. I mean, since the, first, since the first of April, we were pretty good going into the fall. I mean, it was a nice fall, but we were not dry. I would not consider us into that drought area at all. But, uh, it most certainly hasn't figured out how to rain since the first of April. So, <laughs> no, no. Okay, so you were able to plant to moisture, though I bet. So, how's the crop looking right now? Uh, very, quite variable. Uh, there's some good-looking corn out there, but there's a, some that struggles, and quite a few acres got dinged with the uh, freezing temperatures uh, late last week. Uh, so there's some replant beans going on in the area. I looked at the last of our beans today, and field edges, long uh, trick bottoms and things are, look tough. There's a few little bit of green showing on some of the plants yet, but we'll see if they come, give them another week or 10 days, see if they come out of it, or if we'll have to go in and do some spot replant. Yeah, I heard some of the guys up in southern Minnesota saying they are actually, now with this heat, it is actually starting to regrow, so they were pretty hopeful yet. I, I know what you mean, though. It is no fun having to plant that second time. Yeah. The corn actually survived and went through it pretty well, so um, so we ain't too worried about that. So, so we're just about wrapped up with post-spray on corn, and we'd like to start, well, the beans really need to be sprayed here, but uh, they're sure not growing. To, to, I mean, they aren't going to shade very fast here if we spray now. So, yeah, 
Yeah, it's always a tough decision, especially when there's some stress out there. And and I guess for for our listeners who aren't familiar, we caught some frost up uh, into Iowa and all parts north of there. So we're we're seeing some surprises as farmers are getting out in the field to do some spraying. And well, I'm glad you're just about done with the corn spray too before we hit this hot blast that we got. It seems like the weed control should be a little better that way too. Yeah. And then we did a night uh, free. Went back to using a free on beans this year, and <laughs> hasn't rained since. Well, I, until last week we had a rain, but that was about eight tenths. That's the only rain we have. But that's the first rain we had on the free, which was put on in early April. So that's not working overly well. So. No, it's it's been a challenging year, no doubt about that. Gary, thank you so much. Really appreciate talking to you. Good luck here on on these soybeans. Hopefully, you don't have to replant any more than you were thinking. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Downtime during spraying can lead to huge yield losses. Keep rolling with the Pentair Hypro Force Field. This pump features a unique self-regulated chamber that allows the pump to run dry while eliminating cracked seals, so you can spray longer and more reliably. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. Stop losing money from your stored grain with the Enzone Fan Control System from FarmShop MFG. The Enzone monitors outside conditions to run your fans so your grain naturally reaches ideal temperature and humidity. For more information, visit FarmShopMFG.com. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards. And that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. When it comes to soybean diseases, the longer you wait, the more damage you do. Stop the clock on white mold and other yield-robbing diseases with Approach Prima Fungicide from Corteva AgriScience. Approach Prima Fungicide quickly surrounds the surface of the plant for rapid absorption, then moves throughout the plant, providing full protection of each leaf and stem, even those that have yet to emerge. Uptake occurs on day one, nearly twice as fast as the next leading competitor. For more information, visit approachprima.corteva.us or your local crop protection retailer. Always read and follow label directions. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at AgPhD we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an AgPhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Revitech Fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech Fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech Fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. 
Thanks for listening to Ag PhD Radio today. It's Farmer Friday. We're taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got John on with us right now from Maryland talking about cover crops. John, how's it going? How you doing? You know, we're doing pretty good. We would be doing better if we had a couple inches of rain, but you know what? Can't complain. I agree. Wouldn't help if you did, right? That's exactly right. Anyways, I'm in a 48-30 sprayer right now, top dressing corn. Um, so I have some questions about a cover crop for you and Brian. Okay. So um, now it's about cover crop behind corn. Here, a lot of guys, they put their cover crop on in August. They fly it on with helicopters. And I know you guys have a Hagee sprayer, and I've seen those Hagees outfitted to put cover crop on. Okay. Not that it really matters. Um but uh, I guess they're putting it on in August because that's when the plant uh, no longer, I mean, that's when you're not going to get competition from the uh, cover crop. Is that correct? That's what they tell us. Yep. They say we're past that critical weed-free time out in fields. Well, yeah, but that critical weed-free time is early. Once corn gets above a foot tall, you can usually have plants that start growing in there and it doesn't impact yield much at all. So that's not really the issue. The issue is if you put cover crop in early, you can't get, let's say you seeded it in and when the corn's a foot tall, you could do that. But the problem is the corn will shade out the cover crop and kill the cover crop. So that gets to be the issue. So a lot of times guys like it when the, the corn plant is starting to senesce and then there is some sunlight that starts getting through the canopy and then a lot of times that seed can get started. Or if it doesn't get started, it's fine. At least it's there and it's ready to go. Okay, so I guess the co- the the corn, I guess they let the the corn, you know, hundred hundred day corn, they they let that start dying around August. I guess it's done, and then yep. you want it to sit out there. You don't really want the sunlight in August and September. You want it to dry down. Is is kind of why they time it like that? Is my understanding? Is that correct? Well, they they time it so they can get it growing as much as possible yet in the fall so you want as much growth as you can and your area is different than my area so for example you know for and for our listeners when you start talking maryland they get really concerned about nutrient loss in in that delmarva region and so that's why they want to have something growing something green as much as possible throughout that year so they can suck in those nutrients so nothing ends up going away so yeah when that corn is starting to like i say senesce it's basically in effect starting to die off having something else that can get started and start pulling nutrients in at that point that can be a really good thing for your area what you said what's the term uh senesce senescence sorry i didn't hear you uh senesce or senescence um you know we talk about that yeah we talk about that go ahead when does it senesce in your area Well, it all depends on what maturity crop you want to raise. So if I'm talking about corn and I want to raise 110-day corn here, it's going to start turning color uh, probably middle of September, something like that. 
So, but I mean, sometimes we'll be harvesting in October and, and there's a fair amount of green that's still in those stalks yet. So it hasn't fully died off. It hasn't fully senesced. It hasn't fully finished. So we like that. Um, but yeah, in your area, you have a lot more heat than us. And when you start talking about raising a hundred day, I just go, whoa, it's no wonder you need to raise a cover crop because I, I was just throwing that number. Yeah, no, I, I get it. But I'm just saying, you know, it's all relative. So if I want something to finish really early, we were just talking about for our field day next year, let's say we plant some 75 day corn and we do that in early April. Well, it's going to be way far along compared to everything else we would normally raise. So in that case, if I'm going to harvest my corn, let's say the end of August, well, I've got over two months where I can raise a cover crop. Right now we raise longer maturity crops. So they finish right before the snow flies or sometimes as the snow is flying. So there's no time to raise a cover crop. In effect, we make corn our cover crop by raising a full season crop. So that's wow. just what we Did do. You guys freeze, you guys freeze up. <laughs> uh, and hard. Yep. Yeah. yeah our, our, I was, oh, I, I was just going to say our ground is frozen. I mean, frozen solid like a rock for at least four months and a lot of times five months per year. So that's why when people talk about cover crops, they talk about even fall soil testing versus spring soil testing. I'm like, there's no difference because our ground's frozen for five months and you can't raise a cover crop. And I mean, you just, there are just things that are different here. And that's kind of the fun thing, you know, with agriculture, it, every area varies a little bit. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. So when do you put your rye out there on your corn? If you were going to put, like, let's say you were going to put rye out there, when do you okay. guys put the... Okay, so let me give you an example. Um, this year we're having a, well, I, I believe it's going to be a warmer, drier year, and we do some silage. So we've got a neighboring dairy, and there will be silage that will be cut the last part of August. Okay, the, at, When it's silage, then the crop is still green, and there's still plenty of crop canopy. So you can't be going, well, you can try, but to think that we're going to go in and, and fly cover crop on and have it, successful it's probably not going to work but what we're going to do is following the chopper like literally the same day or the day after we'll come in with a drill or do something and we will seed some cover crop right in and then that stuff could grow for a couple of months the other risk that we have here is we don't get a lot of rainfall in the last 11 last 11 months we've had a grand total of nine inches of precip counting the snow and we're in non-irrigated country so I, i'm just trying to say if we go throw seeds out there well what good does it do if we don't get any rain and get them into the ground whereas if we drill them in a lot of times the our, our ground's so heavy there's enough moisture there to get that crop started so we have much better success starting a cover crop when we can drill it in and we know it's going to go right away so that's what we would do but normally for a corn crop that we're taking for grain or certainly soybeans um, we're harvesting the 1st of October or sometime in October. And by the time we get into November, the ground freezes up. So there's no time to have a cover crop. Right. You can't even fly one on. You can't even, you don't even fly one on in September, huh? No. Because, I mean, number one, I don't know if I'm going to get rain. And number two, even if I do get rain, um, the, the cover crop might only grow for a month, 
month and a half, something like that, and then it's probably going to start dying off because of the frost. And then the other problem that I have is if I rob fall moisture, I don't have as much going into the spring. So we get worried about that too. We don't want to take away next spring's moisture. Again, it's just it's just a whole different area. So I, I we understand the benefits of cover crops, and we use them after wheat, and we'll use them after silage, but it just simply doesn't work after corn, grain, and soybeans here in our area. Wow. Yep. That's, that's something. That's <laughs> yep. Man, you know this this farming thing's pretty incredible. This is like the ultimate university where you have people on the ground actually you know, talking to each other. It's like the ultimate brain trust, this thing where we all just get together. It's, it's amazing. Well, and, 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 and two, you know, we, we do work with farmers all over the United States and into Canada. We get a lot of ideas thrown at us and, and different suggestions, and we try all kinds of things. Unfortunately, a lot of things that might work great in your soil in Maryland may not work that well for us, but all I need to find is one or two things. You know what I mean? If I can just find one or two things that make my farm a little better, boy, that's a competitive advantage, and that's what we're after. So that's why it is important to share a lot of ideas around and I, I love that people are talking about cover crops suggesting cover crops it's just we got to understand well why are we doing this what's the purpose behind it like in your area the number one thing I see is just making sure that nutrients stay in our fields and don't go anywhere else but also it's nice because then the ground doesn't move on us um, you know I mean there you can build soil organic matter so there can be a lot of purposes behind all this but you got to understand the the hows and the whys and everything else and then the other big thing is you got to put it to the test so that's why we we love doing research. We've got uh, little research planners. We do research in several different states. Um, I mean, just when you get it out there and and you really see, and then to take it a step further and you get it on a on kind of big scale research. We've got a lot of farmers we work with that'll try different things kind of for us and with us. And then you prove it out over years and you go, yep, that was a great idea. Or nope, that was a horrible idea. Let's go back to the drawing board on that. So unfortunately, we find that too often uh, where we say, yep, we just made a mistake. And we like talking about our mistakes so people learn from our mistakes so they don't make the same, uh, get, get themselves in the same messes that we do sometimes. But anyway, John, great talking to you today. Thanks a lot and uh, good luck out there. Thank you. You bet. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash howler to learn more. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at Ag PhD, we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. 
Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. A history of success means proven performance. But let's call performance what it is. Profitability. And boosting yours, no matter what the season brings, is the goal of DeKalb brand corn. Backed by exclusive genetics, whole farm solutions, and unmatched dealer support. Let nothing shake your perseverance. Ask your dealer how DeKalb brand corn can help you realize a future of performance. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health, resulting in higher quality and yields. Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high-yield toolbox. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. Broadcasting from the Morton studio today, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Get this one, Brian, from Sticky, who said, you guys talk about corn pre-emerge herbicides and not putting in atrazine. When we leave the atrazine out, we have more horseweed, more burr cucumber, more morning glory, and more cockleburr problems, and that really makes it tough for us in our post-emerge program. Yeah, we would just talk about an alternative to atrazine. Yeah, we so, aren't saying use less stuff. Right. Maybe pick a different mode of action exactly. to put out there early. Yep, so a lot of times we'll do sharpen or we'll do dicamba, just depending on if we need to burn down, um, how much residual we want, that kind of thing. So we would just use an alternative. The reason why we do not talk, well, or even why we talk against using atrazine pre-emerge all comes back to the environmental issue. We have to be really careful as farmers what we do. And you know how sometimes you'll listen to the uh, TV news and they'll say something about, oh, environmentalists are doing this or that. Look, we have to make sure that as farmers, we are viewed as the lovers of the environment more than anyone else. So we got to be careful about a product like atrazine that can leach very easily and it's been found in groundwater thousands of times over the years. Now, granted, atrazine has the same toxicity as table salt. But still, people don't like chemicals in their water. Even if they aren't going to do a tremendous amount of harm at a low rate, I don't care. we got to try to keep it out of the water just to be safe and just so uh, we don't have a bad perception out there among the general public because you know in a lot of countries we're as farmers one percent of the population or less so we don't have the votes uh if you're in a democracy and 99 percent votes against you guess what you lose and you got to go by all these government regulations that they actually have put in in a lot of foreign countries 
So I, I would just say we really would tell you hey, if you want to use atrazine pre-emerge, you can. There's nothing illegal about it, but you better be really super crazy careful. If you've got even a chance that that water table is going to get anywhere near your soil surface, then in my opinion, you're way ahead to use sharpened, dicamba, use some other mode of action, and you can get the same performance and maybe even better. Plus, you don't have all that environmental risk because when something goes wrong, it puts all of us as farmers in jeopardy. Every one of us. And it just takes one or two bad stories and it blows up. Well, you know how things work today. I mean, it just, uh, what do they say? It goes viral. So all of a sudden, just a couple of things. And now farmers are much more regulated. So nope, I'm never, ever going to recommend atrazine pre-emerge. That's the reason why. All right. Thanks for the feedback. Uh, I got this one from Daniel. He said, I'm trying to kill triticale and kochia, and I want to plant corn back into that ground. So I'm concerned about residuals or high rates of 2,4-D, those types of things in the mix. What do you think there, Brian? Triticale and also kochia, would we use Roundup and mix in some AIM? Would we do Gramoxone because we might be worried Wait, about... So what, what What crop is he going to rotate? Triticale and kochia we're killing. He wants to plant corn into that ground after. Yeah, so why don't you just go Roundup and sharpen? I mean, if it was me, that's what I'd do. The Roundup for the triticale, that will kill that. And then I would do sharpen to kill that kochia and then leave yourself some residual to kill the kochia in the corn. So that's your best bet. That's the easiest way to kill those two weeds. That's what I yep, would do. You could put verdict no in if you wanted to get your sharpen that way. Well, yeah. I mean, the you. verdict, though, then adds outlook. So if you need the outlook, great. If you don't need the outlook, I mean, then it's that's going to cost you more money. But all I'm saying is sharpen to kill the kochia, that'll kill 100% of it. Roundup to kill the triticale, that will kill 100% of it. Done. All right. Thanks for the question, Daniel. Get this one from Brandon in Ohio. Oh, hey, sorry. Oh. I, I, I should add one more thing just because when I say it's going to kill 100% and if you go spray it and you go, well, Brian said it was going to kill 100%, it only killed 98 don't forget, with kochia and triticale, a lot of times there's not just one plant there. <laughs> there are a million plants in a small area. So what does that tell you? That means that there might be some even smaller plants right below that, and you have to get coverage on all those if you want control with Roundup. And, you know, to get burned down, you're going to need some coverage with Sharpen too. So I'm just trying to say, make sure you get great coverage. Use an appropriate spray nozzle, lots of water, spray pressure, everything else. Sorry, go ahead. All right, I'll take this question from Brandon in Ohio. And He's, he's wondering about Liberty and Roundup and 2,4-D and Dicamba. He said, if I'm spraying Roundup, is it true that Dicamba and 2,4-D would both antagonize the Roundup to some degree? Yes. Okay. Then he said, if that's true, what about Liberty? Would Liberty weaken the Roundup if you were going to mix them? No. How would you do that? No. I'm not worried about that. Plus, Liberty kills pretty much all the same weeds as Roundup whereas dicamba and 2,4-D do not. So, for example, dicamba and 2,4-D are going to do, I mean, they'll do a little bit on grass. I mean, if you sprayed them all by themselves, you'd say, oh, yeah, dinged up that grass a little bit. But it, it doesn't really kill the grass like Roundup's going to kill it. So it is going to hurt the performance of the Roundup. Whereas Liberty, 
kills grass, kills broadleaves, kills everything. So quite frankly, I don't know why you would mix Roundup and Liberty. I struggle to understand why you would mix the two together, but I mean, you can sure do it. I don't see it hurting the Roundup, but it's kind of overlap. So I, I, I don't, I just, I don't know why now, you if would If you have do perennial it. weeds that you're going after, then Roundup's your best bet. Otherwise, if you've got annual weeds and some of them are Roundup resistant, just go Liberty's with a higher rate of Liberty. Bet. Just put a little more liberty in instead of mixing something else. Right. And and here's the other thing. It's very possible if you say, well, I'm throwing the Roundup in for those perennials that you just talked about. It's possible that because the liberty works faster that the liberty could actually shut that plant down so the Roundup doesn't get transported, doesn't get moved, doesn't get translocated down to all the growing points in the extensive root system of a plant like Canada thistle, for example. So... I haven't seen many studies with Roundup and Liberty, but I've seen all kinds of them with Roundup and 2,4-D or Dicamba, where the 2,4-D or Dicamba will definitely shut that plant down, and you'll have poor performance uh, out of the Roundup on the perennial. And that wasn't because of the antagonism. That was simply because the plant stopped, and it, it stopped growing. It killed the above-ground growth before the Roundup could do its job. So I'd spray Roundup by itself if I was going after perennials at a high rate, or like Darren said, if you just want to burn down top growth on perennials and you're definitely after annuals and around to persistent weeds, just go with Liberty. All right. Thanks for the question. Get this one from Elvis, Brian. It's true. Elvis does live, I guess. Uh, he said, I watched some drip irrigation information you guys put out, and it was 13 years ago that you put a video out on drip drip irrigation on ag phd i'm just wondering knowing what you know today would you encourage someone who has the option to go drip or center pivots which one would you run with there are good options for each where's he from doesn't say okay well that's the key so in my area um drip's just a lot more expensive and we have ample water in the ground and i know it sounds you're, you're, we, we've, we've been talking a little about drought and heat and everything else today, but the water tables, the aquifers, I should say, the aquifers in our region of the United States have actually been growing in the last 30 years, not shrinking like you find on the coasts and down in the south. So for us, we're actually trying to get rid of water. I have no problem throwing lots of water out there it's fine and also we don't have the evaporation rates that you might in a lot of other areas because i mean when i say 97 degrees today that sounds hot to just about anybody but this is our average high at the hottest point in the year is 86 degrees that's it so normally at this time of year our high temperature is 75 degrees and our low is in the low 50s. So we don't evaporate near to the rate that a lot of other areas do. The reason why I'm bringing up evaporation is they say with drip tape, you're going to have, well, obviously, I mean, it's down below the ground. You're going to be able to use a lot less water. It's going and, and still get the same result. Well, we don't care as much about wasting water here. It's no big deal. Uh, and it, with the drip tape, it just costs an awful lot of money to put that in, but it's really nice if you've got small fields, if you've got uh, oddly shaped fields, things like that. So it just kind of depends on your situation. Thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. I uh, get this one from Lee. He said, uh, 
Do you know of some other gibberellic acids on the market besides Rise Up Smartgrass? I think Rise Up's the only one that we've used. I, I don't know what the brand names are, but there's there's a lot of different uh, PGR type products out there like that. There's some that have jib in combination with other PGRs, uh, but as far as straight jib products, Rise Up Smartgrass is the one that we use. Thanks for the question, Lee. And thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.